Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt, and today we are continuing on in the series of talks we launched last week simply entitled Capitalism, A Story of Love and or Hate. So, if you're someone that's just jumping in to this podcast for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're choosing to uh, listen in and be a part of this conversation around things that we think matter. Uh, but would encourage you, if you want to, to head back and listen to the first talk in this series, because we're going to simply build upon what we started to talk about last week. Because what I want to do this week is I simply want to ask a question. And this is a question that probably has been a part of your life on some level. Maybe you've thought about it. Maybe you've had conversations around it. But this is a big question that I think many of us have never really sat down and worked to truly understand or define in some ways. While it's always out there, it's not something that we work to find an answer for with a lot of energy, effort, and language around. And the question is this, why are we here? Now, the question is not, why are you here listening to this talk podcast out of all the things that you could be doing right now? The question is not, why are you here in Billings, Montana, if that's where you are, or in the United States of America, but more a broader sense of that question of why you and I exist. Why are we here on planet Earth? What's our reason and our purpose for being here? And the reason I think we need to talk about it in the midst of this conversation around capitalism is because, as we mentioned last week, capitalism is in and of itself a belief system. It's a choice for how we're going to choose to see ourselves and the world around us and what we think might be the most beautiful way forward with these things. It's beliefs. And last week, to look at the beliefs of capitalism really revolve around three major tenets. First and foremost, that there's a belief that individuals are free to choose to maximize their interest. In other words, you and I can pick up our our lives, ourselves, by our bootstraps and choose to make something of ourselves and choose to see some gains or some profits out of the effort and energy that we bring to maximize our gain and interest, that this is what capitalism touts as one of the best ways forward. Again, there is some good elements to this. And so at the end of the day, our lives are to be driven, it's a belief, by choosing to continually make more and more of our life by the effort and energy and freedom that we have to see these things take place. And so businesses, we see them, the bottom line of business is to gain or to see their effort rewarded by more and more profits. That's the point. And so where, yes, we do choose to give away to other things around us at the end of the day, our first step and our first role is to maximize our own interest, our own profits, and our own gains that we worry about us first. Secondly, there's this belief within capitalism that desire is insatiable and that this is a good thing, that for me to want and desire more and more stuff out of life, we all feel it, we all sense it, we want newer, fresher, cleaner, better, whatever it is, out of the things around us. And this insatiable desire that we have for more and more and more is a celebrated thing within capitalism. It's good. So go after more and more and more and never be content and satisfied with what you have, but go after those things. Last but not least, there's this belief within capitalism that competition is king. Everything is ranked in our world and lives. And so it's a competition to try and see ourselves move up within the ranking. And all of us right now where we are understand where we sit in that ranking. Are you middle class, upper class, lower class? Are you someone that's within a ranking that you see yourself in the mirror as fat, skinny, athletic, funny, 
whatever it is, that there is a ranking and you know where you sit on that ranking and there's this desire to continually move up that ladder. These beliefs of capitalism are not just things that speak to economics. They don't just speak to politics. They don't just speak to the market and what's happening there, but they actually, as any belief system does, they speak to who we are as human beings, who you are as a person. And in that, capitalism is this thing that actually works to and does define the answer to this question. Why are we here? And so as I said at the beginning of this talk, this question, why are we here, is not something that maybe we've spent a lot of time and energy on, but it is definitely something that we probably are living out some kind of answer for, because in a capitalist culture and belief system, it has a definition for why you and I are here. And what is that? Capitalism defines your existence, my existence as this, that we are here to produce and to accumulate. That you and I see our world, we wake up day after day after day as an opportunity to be productive, to make things, to create. And that's why we're here. And out of that production, out of those creations, we would see things come back to us in return that allow us to accumulate more and more and more. And a capitalist society and culture thrives on humanity that believes that this is the reason why we are here. And so you and I understand what it's like to go to our job and know that this is something that I have to do with my life and I have to show up and I have to be productive in this place, whether it's a cubicle or whether it's a corner office or whether it's at a coffee shop or making art, that I'm going to produce something and out of this effort and production, I'm going to accumulate and see things in return. Any kind of job that does not see any kind of production from an employee, if I showed up and I didn't produce, then that's an easy decision for the company to go, yeah, I don't think you fit here. This isn't going to work, and we're not going to give you a return on your production, and you're not going to be able to go and accumulate more things. Businesses are driven and structured to produce more and more that they can accumulate more and more. But more than just business and more than just economics, we believe that this produce and accumulate role of humanity is something that is to be found on all levels. Even when we look at something like the public school system, this is a system that's been set up, right, wrong, or indifferent. This is a system that's been set up within a capitalistic culture and society that a student starts going to school at kindergarten or preschool, and we put them in some kind of factory model to see the outcome of this factory, the outcome of this schooling process, that they would become productive members of society. What's behind that? They would be able to go out and get a job and produce and accumulate more. Even the way school is structured, when you look at just the, <laughs> the details of it, that a student goes to school at 8 a.m. and gets out around 3 or 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, Friday, five days a week, the question here is not what's best for the student, what's best for them to learn and to grow as human beings. The question many times is, well, this is what works best for mom and dad to be able to go to their jobs and produce and accumulate because this is why we are here. Even our relationships, the relationships around us, we begin to evaluate how uh, valuable or significant a relationship is and in that a person is 
based on what they produce and accumulate in our lives. We look at ourselves as a person in relationship based on, am I producing something for this person? Do they like me? Do, are they receiving things, good things from me? And we look at the people around us and we say, am I accumulating? Am I getting good things from them? And a relationship where we feel like we're not getting much out of the relationship, those are the people that we find it easy to ghost, to say, yeah, I'm not really going to be around that person very much. And like when they call to hang out, I'm just busy for like the next 15 years. So you can just kind of leave me alone. Why? What's behind that many times? Many times it's not necessarily a personality difference. A lot of times it's because I don't feel like I'm getting much out of the relationship. So I want out because this is why we're here. This is why we relate to produce and to accumulate. We all know what it's like to wake up day after day after day and to evaluate how our life is going based on our production level and how much we are accumulating. We know what it's like to rank ourselves as a human being based on how much we're producing versus our neighbor or the person around us or the person we see online and how much we're accumulating based on our neighbor, the people around us, or those online. We easily live a life that we believe our role here on planet Earth is to produce and to accumulate more. What I find fascinating is this is actually a message that there are many people within the Christian faith in America here that will work to find scriptures that would point to this purpose and this reason for why you're here. And one of the most famous, or, or at least in my conversations, people keep bringing up, is a Genesis 1 passage. It's the beginning of the story of humanity, that the reason for why we're here, that God is speaking things into creation, and he speaks into creation, Adam and Eve the first man and woman. And a part of this story is God looking at Adam and Eve and saying these things about who humanity is. We see Genesis 1 verse 28, it says this, that God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And so to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And so within that, we have a Christian tradition particularly in the last few years, of people looking at texts like this and saying, see, this is why we're here. God has spoken it to humanity, that we would be fruitful, multiply, and subdue, that the world is ours to take what we want from it. It's why we exist. And it's out of this life, it's out of this belief that I find fascinating, we see these moments where life is not okay and things are not right. Maybe we're a little depressed. Things are just a little off kilter. And if this is our, if this is our existence, then the answer, the way that we're to find our salvation or the way that we're to find our justification ends up being in ourselves, our ability to go and produce more, to go and accumulate more. How many of us have been laying in bed 
going at the end of a day and things are just not okay and we're trying to figure out what to do and there's this narrative of if I could just go produce this, if I could just work harder, if I could just make this, if I could just work there, whatever it is, then everything would be better. Or we look at if I could just accumulate that, if I could just have these things, this kind of life, then everything will be better. And capitalism is this invitation to find salvation in ourselves and the work that we bring to that. And what's really fascinating to me is when we look at a capitalist belief system and culture, what do we do with those who don't fit within the culture of capitalism? The people that are not producing, that are not accumulating for whatever reason, and it just feels like they don't fit. So someone who's homeless or someone who's poor is not our knee-jerk response and reaction to someone that's outside the system to try and fix them or save them, just like we work to save ourselves and to get them producing, to, that they would become productive members of society, that we take a homeless person off the streets and get them a job, and in that we think that we have given them salvation, because it's why we are here. Again, many of us might not write that on a piece of paper for why we're here, but it's the world and culture around us, and many of us know what it's like to live day after day after day. I love the way Daniel Bell puts it in his book, The Economy of Desire. He says in this way, persons, like for example, beggars and persons who are poor, they become a threat. Not only are they a threat insofar as they might steal what I have accumulated, but they are a more insidious threat insofar as they may divert resources from the circulation of the market, thereby reducing the productivity of the market and threatening my prospects for prosperity. That we see our world as producers and accumulators, and those that are not living within that existence are a threat to what we want to see happen. And so capitalism is this work to try and see everyone saved. And the outcome of all of this, our belief for ourselves and our belief for people outside of the system, the poor, the homeless, is if they begin to produce and accumulate more, they will find joy and life and meaning and purpose because it's why you're here. So this is the capitalist belief in answer to that question, why are we here? And as we're doing with this series, we could, we could go down the paths, many different paths, many different philosophical paths, because there's been hundreds and hundreds of years of conversation around this question of why are we here? And we could, we could go there. I would love to go there. And I hope you continually go there and read books and texts that, that deal with this because there have been so many great texts and conversations around this. But for the purpose, purpose of this series, the question is, okay, this is what capitalism communicates and answers this question of why we're here. What does the scriptures, what does the Bible have to say about why we are here? Because what I find interesting is while there's a whole train of thought out there, a whole train of theology out there that would say the reason that you're here and it lines up with capitalism and they work to find scriptures and texts like Genesis 1 that, that kind of proof text themselves to say, yep, it's for you to produce and to accumulate. I find it interesting that when we look specifically at that Genesis 1 text, that there are verses before what we read about being fruitful and multiplying. 
that that's verse 28. But in verse 26, there's actually a context that's being brought. There's a stage that's being set for us to understand how we're to produce, how we're to multiply, how we're to be fruitful. And it's this, Genesis 1, starting in verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I find it really fascinating that the context that we are to go be fruitful, multiply, subdue, is within this space of seeing the image of God stamped upon our lives. That the reason that we are here is to understand this divine thing that's been spoken about you, spoken about me, spoken about our enemies, spoken about every human being on planet Earth. There is this scriptural narrative that says that the way God relates is the way that we are invited to relate. The way that God creates is the way that we are invited to create because this is the image that we are created and found in. The way God chooses to function is the way that we would choose to function. And so when it comes to this, the text that follows of now be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth, I'm giving you everything God says. We have to ask the question, If we're to do this in the image of God, if this is why we're here, then do we see God as someone, God as this divine being who strips the earth of all of its resources? Do we see God as consumed with getting more and more and more and more? Do we see God as one that is driven by power and force and coming against his opponents in this way? And again, There are trains of thought out there that would point to scripture after scripture after scripture and say, yes, this is the image of God. And so they would see themselves, see humanity as invited to be fruitful, multiply. And that means that we are here to strip the earth of all of its resources. We are here to get what's ours, no matter the consequences, because this is ours. That we are here to go after everything that we want to go after because this is the image of God. We are here to use power and force to move the story forward because this is the image of God that we see. If you want to go down that train of theology and looking at scripture, I just want to say the Bible is a big book with a lot of things. And so, yes, you can find verses that would help you feel right in those desires and that kind of life. But the problem And the challenge for me personally with that kind of idea is that when Christ shows up, the story of Christ is one that we see in the Gospels and we see through the New Testament, that Christ as this image of God, God in the flesh, he does not come to take what's rightfully his. He does not come to strip the earth and those around him of all of their resources so he can get more and more and more. Christ is this story and narrative of the divine who is here in generosity and sacrifice. That Christ is the image of God is communicating that life is a gift. The breath in your lungs is a gift from God. Christ is this story and narrative that it's grace, forgiveness, peace that moves things forward, not force, not power and muscle might, but learning to see the significance and power of grace, peace, and forgiveness. So I believe 
and see that any honest scholar or any honest theologian that's working through the whole text of scripture, we have to wrestle with this, that you have the image of God stamped upon your life. And that as an image of this God, it's seen in Christ as one that we are invited to live out of generosity and sacrifice, to see life as a gift, to choose to lean into grace, forgiveness, peace. These are the things that move the story forward. Because we are here to reflect back this image of God, this image of Christ that is stamped upon your life and to be seen, found in creation, and in the relationships and people around us. That there is something good, true, and beautiful, this ground of all being that we are invited to process and reflect back. But what I find really fascinating within this Genesis 1 text, maybe you noticed it, is it says right out of the gates that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, maybe you noticed it when I read it before, but it's kind of this fascinating thing that God is in the midst of creating and there hasn't been a mention of anybody else that's a part of the story up to this point. Adam and Eve aren't on the scene yet. And yet God is using this plural language of let us make man in our image after our likeness. Like who, who's God talking to there? <laughs> What's going on with that? And this is something that for the last uh, few thousand years, that many theologians have looked at and pointed to this understanding within the Christian tradition of Trinity, that God is one, but God is also three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that each one of these members of the Trinity are fully God in and of themselves, but also together there is this oneness and this God to be found. And so here is language, let us make man in our image after our likeness that speaks to a God that is, yes, one, but also relational in being three. And so part of this image of God is understanding the individuality of things, but also the relational dynamics of how we're choosing to see ourselves within the world around us. This is the image of God. This one in three thing is something that baffles mathematicians, of course, that one equals three and three equals one. What? But it also is something, honestly, that baffles theologians. Because how does this work? And the answer to the question is we don't know, but we are invited to live this out, to see ourselves relating within this dynamic that we see the Trinity relating in. There is separation, yes, but there is unity to be found. And the way that there is this ebb and flow, this loving, sacrificing relationship found between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the the invitation of the relationship that we are invited into for our own lives. The way we relate to the divine is in this loving, sacrificing, generous, divine dance, as Richard Rohr so eloquently puts it. So how are we to define this question? Why are we here? Scripture would say it, I think, with two major categories. We are here to reflect, reflect back this good, true, beautiful image of God, and we are here to relate, to relate with one another, the world around us, and with the divine in the same way we see the divine relating with itself. This is something that at the end of the day, 
It doesn't point to a salvation, a justification for our lives, a making better of our lives based on how much we produce and how much we accumulate. But the story and narrative of Christianity and scripture is one of a salvation that's found in the work of the divine. And the Christian narrative is one that speaks to the life of Christ as being this invitation, that you have breath in your lungs. There is this embrace, there is this love that is already found and that is already present, that you are justified in your existence because of who the divine is and this image that is stamped upon your life. You don't have to go and try to produce and accumulate more to justify your existence. Salvation is not something that's found because you accumulate enough and you get to that level or you produce enough and you get to that level. Salvation is something that has already been spoken and is to be found here and now. And if you feel like there's things that you've done or things that you haven't accomplished that disqualify you from this love and embrace, then guess what? This narrative and the story of Christ is one that says, I've already paid that debt by giving his life as a sacrifice on the cross. So you are now saved. And your existence is to be found here, now, in this moment, as one that is here to relate and to reflect this image of God. And so when it comes to producing, when it comes to being fruitful and multiplying, we no longer are doing it to find our own salvation and justification, but we do it out of the same image and breath that we see the divine do it in Genesis 1 and throughout all of scripture. It's out of joy. It's out of generosity, it's out of love, it's out of sacrifice that we show up to produce because we are creative beings, just like we see the divine create in Genesis 1. We are invited into that story to be creators, to be producers, yes, but it's not for our salvation or justification. It's out of joy and beauty, goodness and truth. The reason I think that it's important we talk about this is because this message and this understanding of capitalism speaking to why you're here, that you are here to produce and accumulate, is not just this this random idea and thought, but it's something that we actually interact with day after day after day. And then you and I are being, being bombarded by thousands of images and videos and sounds every day that is communicating to and speaking to this reason why we're here. It's called marketing. It's called advertising. I had this interaction um, just yesterday where I was walking downtown in downtown Billings and there was a restaurant I was walking by that had a sign in the window advertising bubble tea and had a picture of a glass of bubble tea. And maybe bubble tea is something you've never tried before, but as I was walking by this restaurant, there was this family passing that this little girl saw the sign and she decided to respond by asking her parents, mom, dad, can I have some bubble tea? I want to try bubble tea. And I could tell in that moment, this little girl has never tried bubble tea before and has probably never had the thought of bubble tea in her entire life. But she here she is asking for bubble tea from mom and dad. And mom and dad kind of look at each other like, where, where did she get this from? Why is she asking for bubble tea? And they see the sign in the window and then they say, okay, well, we can't have bubble tea right now. And I don't know what the reason was. Maybe they had to go somewhere. Maybe it was resources. But you could tell the minutes their daughter was told no. She was not going to be able to accumulate, get what she wanted. 
that this was a devastating thing for her. And she started to bargain and say, mom, dad, can, can we have bubble tea like maybe tomorrow? Can we try it someday soon and quick? And behind the, her, their daughter's voice was this work of saying, my life is not okay until I try and have bubble tea. Even though 30 seconds ago, she didn't know what bubble tea was, everything had transitioned and everything had changed in her heart. And there was this interaction with her and her parents that she had to have bubble tea or her life was not going to be fulfilled and satisfied and things weren't going to be in the right place. I need bubble tea. And I turned the corner and I had this moment of realizing This is what you and I interact with regularly, that a capitalist structure that's driven by marketing and advertising to continue to produce and accumulate more, that's why marketing and advertising are a thing, they're driven to communicate messages to ourselves that we are not okay until we get this thing, and we see them thousands and thousands and thousands of times a day. And so it is a very easy and normal thing in our world and culture to just find ourselves leaning into this belief, this is why I'm here, to produce and accumulate more. And there are things that I want that I didn't even know I wanted until I see that advertisement, but now I want it and it's all I can think about and I'm going to go produce more so I can go accumulate more of that thing. And the reason that I think it's so important to just stop and recognize that is because we must, if we're going to be people, if you're going to be someone that chooses to say, okay, there's a better way forward here, or there's a different reason or meaning for my existence than production and accumulation, then we must understand the incredible uphill battle that it is for us to find our lives centered in something different. That you are not just someone that's here to produce and accumulate more. You are somebody that holds a divine image and stamp upon your life. And it's one that's been in, you have been invited to reflect this divine image, to relate with others within this loving, sacrificial kind of work. There's something good and true and beautiful here. And just like Bubble Tea would say, if you get that, there's joy. The scriptures would communicate and say, if you and I can learn to center our lives in that, to relate and to reflect, that there is joy. There is this deep breath and satisfaction to be found. But this is a hard and difficult work in our world. So it's why for me, I've our Sunday gatherings at CMYK are so important for me to be in a room filled with people that we can have these conversations and come back to center because I know what it's like to leave that room and then all of a sudden be inundated with message after message after message of things I want and need and my life's going to be better once I get there or have that or produce that. This is why so many relationships around me, it's important for me to talk about not just what I'm producing, not what just what I'm accumulating because that's easy for me to talk about and I talk about it way too much but to talk about what's good and true and beautiful, to work on how am I being this sacrificial presence in the world and relating with the divine, the world around me, the people. This matters because it's why I'm here. And you might be one that defines this question of why you're here as something different than these two categories, and that's fine. But the challenge for you, I believe, would be the same for me. Whatever your answer to that question is, we live in a capitalist culture that will continue to shout loud 
this is why you're here. This is why you're ex- you exist. A culture that continues to shout loud, are you depressed? Are you sad? Are things off kilter? Are you trying to fix things? Well, just go produce and accumulate more. Just imagine going to bed at the end of your day and evaluating how your day was. And it has nothing to do with what you produced, nothing to do with what you accumulated. But it's asking the question, how did I relate to the world around me? to creation? How did I relate to those around me? Was it in a way that was reflective of this divine image? This just feels like a far more powerful and important question to be asking myself. And it feels like a far uh, more potent way to see and experience joy, meaning, and purpose outside of, well, did I get done what I wanted to get done? Do I have what I want to have? Because there's a difference, a better, a more beautiful meaning for my existence and for the people around me. And to find and discover that and to live centered out of that. And so my hope and my prayer for you is that you would be one that is able to write down and work through and begin processing an answer to this question. And maybe it's found within the Christian narrative of to relate and to reflect and that you would find joy there. I do. I find so much joy when I can live centered out of this reason and meaning for existence. But it takes work. So, my brothers and sisters, my friends, the CMYK community, may you be one that, yes, goes and creates. May you go and produce in all that you do. Be fruitful and multiply, yes, but may you do it as one that is doing it from this image of God, not out of this is who you are and you've got to justify and save yourselves by producing more and more and more, but it's out of joy. It's out of generosity. It's for the sake of beauty, goodness, and truth that we create and we make what we do. I love you. And I hope, as always, if there's anything that we can do for you, that you would reach out and let us know. And as always, thanks so much for listening in, being a part of this. Thanks so much for sharing uh, and telling more and more people about what's happening with this little quirky community called CMYK, working to live a more beautiful way in this world. Next week, we're going to continue on in this conversation, and we've actually, uh, I've invited someone that is way smarter than me on economics and uh, capitalism in some ways to come and be a part of the conversation as we continue to talk about and maybe get into the more of the practical, okay, now what do we do with these kinds of more philosophical ideas? So hope you have a great week. Hope to talk to you or see you soon.